So Kansas City is getting a downtown stadium after all, but it's not for the Royals. Just days after trying to win over organizers of the World Cup, Kansas City now bidding for the Republican National Convention. Tuesday is election day. We look at why even low-ballot school board races are getting national attention. Plus the rest of the week's most impactful stories and newsmakers. Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of AARP Kansas City, Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlise Gorley, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Welcome everyone, I'm Nick Haines. It's been a remarkable week of news here in our metro and here to dissect the most impactful and confusing stories on both sides of our state line. And Mr. Up to Date on KCURFM, Steve Kraske. From the anchor desk at 41 News, Dia Wall is with us, keeping track of Kansas news from the Shawnee Mission Post, reporter and editor Kyle Palmer. And with a laser beam focus on downtown business and development city scene, KC reporter Kevin Collison. Just days after Kansas City tries to win over organizers of the 2026 World Cup, Kansas City is now trying to bring the Republican National Convention to town. This would be the 2024 convention. It's about business opportunity. It's about development opportunity for Kansas City, which, as we saw last week with the World Cup bid, is a world-class city that can host any number of events. Mayor Luke is clearly enthusiastic, but has Kansas City not learned any of the lessons from the last Republican convention in Charlotte, which, according to news accounts, lost $200 million after the pandemic turned the convention into a one-day show with fewer than 1,000 people in, a, uh, in attendance? Dear Wall, the president didn't even give his acceptance speech in Charlotte. He did it from the balcony of the White House. Nick, we have to be fair, the country was in the middle of a pandemic, right? So there was a lot of back and forth. There was frustration about the politics. Are they going to let us do what we want and pack out the stadium? So Charlotte really did get short shrift there. If you go back and look at 2016, Cleveland hosted the convention. That's the city that actually was the one selected before when Kansas City had bid for the RNC, yes. didn't get it because of infrastructure issues. Fast forward to 2021, you look at how much the city has transformed, particularly downtown. Hotel spaces up, that was a big concern before. There's a really beautiful uh, convention center hotel that's now downtown. A new airport terminal is coming, and Kansas City really feels like they can pull this off. Wow. With all of that, Kevin Collison, what are our liabilities at this point? We should They should just be coming here. Well, you know, I think one of the liabilities, which we hear a lot about with our city, is uh, transit access. Uh, although we do have a streetcar route now that definitely can link a variety of uh, hotels, including the Lowe's, including the hotels at Crown Center with the uh, convention center. Uh, you know, I think one of the issues, and this has nothing to do with Kansas City, is going to be the politics of 2024 with Trump potentially being the nominee or at least his followers challenging the nominees and a lot of security issues that uh, I'm frankly curious and mildly skeptical our community is capable of handling. You know, that is certainly an issue. There will be security challenges, and particularly if uh, uh, former President Trump is back on the ballot in 2024. Why, why does the city even want to worry about all of this, Steve? Well, because it's an opportunity. You know, it's an opportunity for national exposure, Nick, and it's an opportunity to fill up a lot of hotel rooms that have been uh, underperforming because of COVID for so many months. You wonder sometimes how the new Lowe's Convention Hotel is even, you know, keeping on given all the trials of COVID. So this is an opportunity for the city. 
I think there's one problem that Kansas City can't do anything about, and that's the politics of 2024. These conventions typically go to cities in states that are swing states that could go either way. And Kansas City, Missouri is going to go red in 2024. So is Kansas, Nick. And if there's any one big drawback to our bid, that's probably it, because we have a whole lot more going for us right now than we did even four or eight years ago. But as you pointed out, the mayor is trying to resuscitate a declining hospitality industry, particularly hotels, as you mentioned, and the convention business. And people, because we don't have enough hotel rooms, uh, Kyle, will have to come to other communities, including into Overland Park and Prairie Village and to all of the hotels in Johnson County. Are they feeling gleeful about the opportunity to bring in a uh, national convention? I'm sure there are some Airbnb owners in Prairie Village who are salivating at the idea of being able to jack up their rates. Um, but I think, you know, true. I mean, there's a, a, a very dire economic impact to the hospitality industry across the region. A clearest example of that in Johnson County has been the effect on the Overland Park Convention Center. Uh, city officials there said the pandemic has been crushing uh, for the Overland Park Convention Center. It's estimated they're going to lose nearly $5 million between this year and last year uh, affected by the pandemic. Uh, so, yeah, a big event like a political convention or a World Cup would be music to the ears of, of anyone in the hospitality industry, of course. I would just leave you with one more potential challenge for the 2024 RNC. People have maybe forgotten that Kansas City is hosting the NFL draft in 2023, putting in a bid to host the World Cup in 2026. You know what all these things take? Cash and a lot of it. And so when you talk about whose purse strings you're going to be trying to tug on for these events, when I talked to former mayor Sly James, he said, you don't want to rob Peter to pay Paul. In essence, we can't go to the same donors to pull all of these events off. The question is going to be, can we raise the 75 to 80 million that we're going to need for the RNC in addition to the other things that the city is trying to win? Here's one of the other big local stories of the week. So Kansas City is getting a downtown stadium after all, but it's not for the Royals. Instead, prepare for the world's first stadium, apparently built for a women's sports team. And it's coming to the Kansas City Riverfront. This truly sends a signal that Kansas City is a soccer capital of America. Dear Wall, first of all, before we pick apart the pros and cons of this, you responded to this announcement on Twitter with one word. Wow. Okay, so what, in your view, is so great about this? One, you cannot look at those renderings and not be excited about how gorgeous it is, how beautiful. I'm obviously a transplant here to Kansas City, and I've long thought that the river was underdeveloped and underutilized. Number two, it's historic. There has not been a stadium in this entire country built for a women's sports soccer team. Like, that's incredible for us to be able to be on the forefront of something here in the metro, I think is great. Number three, zero public dollars. They didn't come to you and me to pay for it. They ponied up the cash themselves. And according to my man, Kevin here, there's going to be a bar overlooking the water. It's all good for me. <laughs> okay. Then. All righty, Kevin. Um, if it is so great, and um, we know the ownership group says, yes, we, we're going to pay for all of this. Uh, is there any cost to us then as taxpayers? Well, I don't really think so, Nick, at least the way they've laid it out. Uh, it's going to be accessible by streetcar. It's another important magnet to attract more investment and development to the riverfront. Uh, you know, there's really not a lot to not like about it. In fact, I can't think of any downside. By the way, it's the owners of a local hedge fund plus uh, Brittany Matthews, the uh, 
fiancé of Patrick Mahomes, who are the ownership group for this, who are saying we're just going to bankroll the whole thing, we don't have to worry. So if uh, I, I don't even care about uh, women's soccer, I'd never go. But if they want to pay for it, why should I care, Steve? Well, you should care a whole lot because I think, just to underscore points from Dia and Kevin, this is an absolute game changer for Kansas City, Nick. This is uh, reintroducing our city to the riverfront which has been happening in little fits and starts, but not in, in any kind of aggressive way. This changes all of that. This brings lots of Kansas Cityans down to the Missouri River in a way that we haven't seen in decades in this town. And to Dia's point, it's about time. Okay, for decades, Kevin, it has been stated that, yes, we need to do something with our riverfront. Other cities you go to and you love being there, there's lots of development, things to do. We have nothing at our riverfront other than a casino. Is this really the catalyst for the river? As was pointed out in the press conference, our riverfront was where we dumped the rubble of the Kemper Arena roof collapse back in the 70s, whatever. It was just forgotten. It took a long time and a lot of money to clean it up. There was a lot of uh, environmental issues. And steadily over the past five, six years, we've got one major apartment deal that's already been completed with almost 400 apartments. Another one's going up with 300. You got Bar K, which is a really fun place for people to take their dogs. So things are starting to happen. But as Steve pointed out, this is going to elevate it to a whole new level. It's going to become a destination for people who just aren't taking their dogs to the dog park or living in one of the apartments. I do wonder, though, what this means for the downtown ballpark for the Kansas City Royals, dear Wall, because if Brittany Matthews and the longs of the hedge fund that are putting this together and doing it all with their own money, why can't the Royals do that? Why can't John Sherman do that all for free and not ask for the public to spend a dime on a downtown ballpark? Ooh, we don't get me in trouble on this weekend review, but I will say this, right? Um, leave it to the women's team in town to up the ante. Because what it has shown us is that there can be private investment in some of these developments. We already know Kansas City generally does not have an appetite for tax increases, for more community improvement districts, for more public funds to build up buildings. It's going to make it harder for the Royals, isn't it, uh, Steve? Or not, Nick. Maybe on some level it makes it easier because there's a psychological component here. If the women can play soccer in a downtown stadium, certainly the Royals can play baseball in a downtown stadium. And you got to remember, this is a magnitude of a fraction of what it would cost to do a ballpark. I mean, two years ago, the estimate was $800 million. That's more than 10 times what we're talking about for this soccer venue. The big sticking point really is our city has to deal with two professional sports franchises simultaneously. So whatever the Royals get, the Chiefs will get. And it's going to take some very uh, creative thinking. I think, as Steve points out, you know, the fact that major investments are being made in entertainment and sports venues downtown will show people who are skeptical that downtown is a place to come to, uh, yeah. which is going to be a, a generational change for some folks who have not been downtown in a long time. If you're headed to the airport this week, you may notice one big change. No Kansas City police. Chief Rick Smith opting to reassign officers from KCI as part of what he calls an ongoing staffing shortage. This is on top of a decision last week to eliminate the downtown foot patrol unit, which angered business owners. Many viewers may raise an eyebrow, but what difference will this make? KCI still has its own separate airport police department. And as for downtown, won't police cars still be making random checks like they do in other parts of the city, even if they're not doing it only on two legs, dear? Yes. The greater question here and what this fight is all about is 
there's no secret numbers are down as far as boots on the ground in terms of Kansas City police officers. But I think from the city's point, the money is there. You've gotten the money. They won that 42 million back. The budget hasn't been cut in any way, shape or form. Uh, Missouri state law has been changed. So now you can recruit from outside city limits, right? Every accommodation that Kansas City police have requested, they've gotten and recruitment is still not going up. And so now it's a matter of moving resources around that's at the police chief's discretion. And so I think the greater issue is going to be who gets what, when, where, and how. But it seems to me, Steve, this is making a bigger public point here, a political point by the police department. We're just trying to show you what our problems are, and we're looking at high-profile things that people are going to get bent out of shape about, including people of moneyed interest in this community, like Julia Irene Kaufman and uh, Shirley Helsberg, who put their names to a letter saying, uh, don't get rid of these foot patrols downtown. We'll probably hear things about the airport, too. I don't want to make, make this too big of a deal. This downtown foot patrol, Nick, Four officers, four people. You know, it's not that big of a deal. But there are a lot of people of influence downtown who were upset, uh, Kevin. Well, you know, I, I agree completely with Steve. I mean, having lived and worked and covered downtown for 20 years, I can rarely, if ever, remember seeing a foot patrol officer. So I think this is kind of a Potemkin issue. Um, and the folks that signed that letter, God bless them, they're civic leaders, but they're not the people on the street downtown. But the bigger thing is most of the security, if not all these days, has been provided by the downtown council's ambassadors, the guys you see in the black and yellow jackets. And if they run into a problem, they call a police officer. And an even bigger point beyond the fact that the, the foot patrol has been invisible is that I've had many times over the years telling me people get burglarized, they see their cars being broken to, and there may be one KC police cruiser in the entire district that can respond to the call. I have to say, you know, this is more than just a Kansas City, Missouri issue, though every time we talk about crime, it seems to be about Kansas City, Missouri. But I did see, Kyle, earlier this summer the, in the Overland Park Chamber did a survey, and they asked residents what was the, the number one issue in Overland Park. We talked about it last week, actually, and it was crime and drugs. Given all of the other things going on, that was the number one concern there? It is an issue in the mayoral race, which I think we're going to get to elections. But, you know, Mike Sinegi, the, the newcomer, the former business executive, he's emphasized it, says voters he talks to care about it. But his opponent, city council member Kurt Skoog, um, says that Sinegi basically trying to scaremonger, inflate and exaggerate numbers and painting a picture that is generally uh, grimmer than reality. Well, I should point out, uh, did you actually know there was even an election on Tuesday? First of all, voters in Missouri, from Independence to Parkville, Raytown to Lone Jack, will be voting on a variety of local tax issues. But most of the action is taking place on the Kansas side. Two big leadership contests underway there. Last week, we hosted back-to-back -back debates between the mayoral candidates in Overland Park and Wyandotte County. You should not have to be powerful, privileged, connected, or wealthy anywhere in Wyandotte County to get things done. The very things that Mr. Garner is saying are what I've been saying for the past four years. All of my contributions have come from residents. If you look at Kurtz, over 60% of his campaign financing came from commercial developers. You know, the reason that I get this support is because Mike has scared all development away from the city. If you missed that show, you can see the candidates again on the Kansas City PBS YouTube channel or on the Kansas City Week in Review podcast. Yes, there is an audio version of the show. Check it out wherever you normally get your podcasts. While the mayoral races are dominating news coverage, what has often been considered low-key bottom-of-the-ballot races for 
school board are picking up some national attention. Surprisingly, there's even a lot of money coming in from around the country to power some of these campaigns. Carl, normally few people pay much attention to races for school board. Why is this year different? Uh, well, this is my hunch. I mean, I think it's just a reflection of how every election cycle now seems to be a pitched battle over the soul of our country <laughs> or the soul of our communities. Most of the rhetoric in the campaigns have been heavily tinged with national issues related to the pandemic, masks, vaccinations, diversity and race, uh, policing and the treatment of people of color. Um, people are talking about local issues for sure, like property taxes and, and housing and, and the like, but it often feels like candidates and voters um, are looking at these races through a national lens. And it's really interesting because, yes, I expected masks to be the big issue, Steve, but um, we see on a lot of these campaign mailings that have come through my door keeping critical race theory out of our schools. That's a common theme that we're seeing from candidates. Is this election going to be the first test of how much resonance that issue has with actual voters? Oh, I think that's true, Nick. And this is one of those issues that some candidates are using to scare people. And we've learned in recent election cycles that when you scare people, you get them to react. And it's going to have an impact, Nick. Nick there's no question about it. I can it. see you reacting to that, Dia. The problem for me is you're okay. It's, it's like just an innocent mistake that kids are circulating petitions about bringing back slavery or that black and brown students have teachers dropping the N-word in the classroom. That's okay. That's just an innocent little mistake, right? But critical race theory, if only we were as mad about the very real racism and very real consequences that all of our children are subject to in these classrooms and in these schools, then maybe we can make some progress. What I take issue with more than anything else, um, Generally, people run for school board because they want all children, not just their own, to get a quality education with empathy and heart and mind. And now we are listening to people trot out these horrible talking points from cable news because that they feel like that's the only way they're going to get people to show up to the polls. And it's disappointing and it's sad and it's really going to affect our children moving forward. Nobody likes to go into the ballot box, Kyle, and be surprised. We've heard lots about now these school board races and these mayoral races. What else might puzzle people when they head to the polls on Tuesday? Oh, well, I can use my mother-in-law in Prairie Village as an example. She brought her ballot to me because she knows, I, because she reads the Shawnee Mission Post. She she ordered an early ballot through the mail and she brought it to me. And she she knew school board, she knew city council, she knew who she was going to vote for there. But we got down to Johnson County Community College Board of Trustees. It got down to Water One Board, and she was like. Who are these people? <laughs> so I would just say, shameless plug, um, you know, I told her, Barb, there's a really easy solution. You can just go to ShawneeMissionPost.com and search for our election primers uh, for all of these races that are going to be on your ballot. But, yeah, I mean, of course, there, you get down to the bottom of the ballot in a midterm off your election. Um, you're going to have to do your homework if you're going to want to make an informed choice, of course. And, and by the way, dear Wall, don't worry, Kyle's mother also listens to 41 Action News, so you have nothing to worry about there. <laughs> Next up, he drove for miles the wrong way on I-70 at speeds close to 100 miles an hour. He was drunk, and when a state trooper eventually pulled him over, he threatened to fight the officer and called him a donut boy. He also happens to be one of the most influential politicians in the Kansas legislature, and this week he appeared in court and was handed a sentence of two days in jail. We are concerned. I certainly am. I have heard from many constituents who have said that there shouldn't be two standards. That's State Senator David Haley from Wyandotte County. The armchair quarterbacking has already begun, of course, but was former Kansas Senate Majority Leader Gene Sullentrop given special treatment or typical treatment? Would a plumber from Olathe have gotten the same sentence, Kyle? From the people who 
handle cases like this and you talk about things like diversion and, and other things that that he did get what other people would have gotten I, I don't know how much this resonates with the normal folks of, uh, and, and voters of johnson county and other areas I, I do also think it just kind of falls along the, the the typical partisan ideological lines depending on whether it's an rrd next to his name whether they think he should have gotten worse or, or better I, I couldn't fail to notice uh kevin collison that on your twitter feed that you made a very specific reference to this story and we're feeling huh that doesn't seem like a, a, a tough sentence. Oh, no, you're outing me on my tweets. Uh, I would think that uh, if, if, if it was an African-American driver proceeding like that in Topeka, he might have ended up dead. I mean, you know, it's just, it, it does smell of a double standard. So I outed you, and I'm sorry about that, Kevin. Uh, am I going to out Dear Wall, too? You know, I'm, I'm more than happy to say um, it's no secret. Each and every one of us have seen much worse happen to black men in particular in this country. And so for me to justify and say, well, this is just normal par for the course for a prominent lawmaker in our community. But if it's my husband, for example, then he should have been more respectful to the officer and law and order. I think it's a point of reflection for all of us. And Steve, by the way, um, he did step down as Senate Majority Leader, but he's still in the, in the Kansas legislature. He is still a state senator. So when you are convicted of a, even a DUI, that doesn't stop you from serving? That's right, Nick. Uh, this is eye-opening for a lot of people. Prosecutors dropped a felony charge of fleeing and eluding law enforcement here in the plea bargain process. This is a, a wake-up call for a lot of people, I think, that this guy is still in office. And uh, under these circumstances, it's pretty amazing. Speaking of high-profile people, is there life after the anchor desk? A new Justice Department report says the Drug Enforcement Agency allowed opioid manufacturers to make more pills, even as overdose rates rose. 20 years hosting the Fox 4 Morning News. Mark Alford has announced he's running for Congress. He wants to replace Vicki Hartzler in the Missouri 4th District, which goes from Belton to Raymore, Warrensburg to Columbia. It's going to be an open seat. Hartzler is running for the U.S. Senate. Mark says he wants to be a conservative voice in Washington, but there are at least a half a dozen self-described conservatives either running or preparing to run on the Republican side. Steve, does being a high-profile TV anchor in Kansas City help him? You bet it does, and that's why we're all waiting for Dia Wall to announce for the U.S. Senate. You know, Mike Thompson from the same station as Mark Alford is in the state Senate on the Kansas side uh, because he was a well-known weatherman in town. Name recognition is really important in those down-ballot races, Nick, and, and Mark has a lot of it. I'm not sure how much recognition he has in Columbia, which is probably outside of our regular broadcast area, but, dear Wall, you were mentioned there. You just did a book, Transcending the uh, Anchor Desk. Can a career in politics be next? I value my marriage and my kids, okay? Look, it's gotten so bad of late that I might run. No, let me stop. I will never run. <laughs> I will never run. And as uh, Steve mentioned, Kyle, you know, one of his uh, colleagues, uh, meteorologist, well-known meteorologist Mike Thompson, did go into the, in the Kansas legislature, and, and he's now in, in Topeka serving. Yeah, he represents an area of Western Shawnee. I mean, I think if, if Mr. Alford decides to follow in his former colleague's footsteps and, and follow his playbook, then he could become a fairly polarizing figure in Missouri because Senator Thompson is a pretty polarizing person in his own right. He has some very strident and outspoken opinions about things like COVID-19 and climate change, but his base 
absolutely loves him. And I think his name recognition and his time on the air play into that. And by the way, you know, Mark was on this program many, many times. And I spoke with him actually yesterday. And he said he actually doesn't even live in the district right now. He's hoping that redistricting that takes place will actually shift him into that district. But he is looking to buy a house there. Otherwise, if that does not take place. If I were him for at the safe pace here, he better get a house in the district pretty soon. <laughs> Now, when you put a program like this together every week, you can't get to every local story grabbing the headlines. What was the big story we missed? You're embarrassed. I mean, you just got, got spanked pretty good. More angst and soul-searching at one Arrowhead Drive. Is it art for the Instagram generation? Van Gogh comes alive at Starlight Theater. The city can't find the cash. Now the zoo asking for your help as it tries to complete its $75 million aquarium project. Got $5 million hanging around? Takes a little bit of public money or quite a bit of public money and quite a bit of private money to make a dream like this come true. It's scheduled to open in the summer of 2023. In other news, Cerner announces a new round of layoffs and a new Kansas law giving parents the right to challenge school COVID rules goes before the state Supreme Court. And trick-or-treating returns. And who says Halloween is only for kids? Lamar's giving away a free donut to anyone in costume. All righty, dear Wall, did you pick one of those stories or did you pick something completely different this week? So I picked something else, but I must say, the glazed donuts at Lamar's, <laughs> they're excellent. Okay, so my uh, st big story that we missed, the Barstow young women's tennis team brought home the triple crown for the first time in school history. So shout out to those ladies. Keep doing us proud. Kyle Palmer. Well, we're talking about elections this year, but there could be some brewing competition for a big job in Johnson County next November 2022. There are three people who have filed for the chairmanship of the Johnson County Commission. That's the commission's top job. It's an open seat. Current chairman Ed Eilert, who's 85, um, 86 years old, former mayor of Overland Park, hasn't officially announced what he plans to do, whether he wants to run for re-election. So that could be interesting next year. Kevin Collison. I am always very alert to what's going on with Cerner. They have shut down their offices out in Wyandotte County. Uh, they're consolidating uh, in the campus in Bannister. There's been rumbles for a long time that they could be ripe for a takeover. Uh, unfortunately, our city and our region has a terrible history of losing homegrown companies. So when uh, Cerner hiccups, the rest of the town should be worried about a major stomach ache because it's a huge, huge employer. And uh, it would be really difficult on our local economy to lose a firm like that. Steve. Kansas City, Missouri police want a, a budget that's 6% higher than what they've had this year. We're once again at an important inflection point with this department. What kind of force do we want? What can this city afford? All those questions, I think, are on the table now in the wake of this budget proposal. And on that, we will say our week has been reviewed, keeping you up to date weekdays at 9 on KCURFM. Steve Kraske from the Anchor Desk at 41 News, Dear Wall. The Shawnee Mission Post's Kyle Palmer and Kevin Collison from City Scene KC. And I'm Nick Haynes from all of us here at Kansas City PBS. Be well, keep calm, and carry on.